Welcome to Pet Sitter Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Today, we're brought to you by Time to Pet and the Peaceful Pet Music, Calm Music for Pets YouTube channel. Today, we have a super special guest back on the show. Kelly Hayes Rate, the house sit diva, is going to join us today to talk about her journeys in travel house sitting and how it helped her find a new place to live internationally and all the steps and things that she's learned along the way. Kelly, I can't tell you, uh, I'm so excited to have you back on. It's crazy. It's been like 300 episodes since we've had you back on the show. <laughs> so uh, for those new listeners who haven't delved that deep into the archives, uh, could you please introduce yourself and tell us all that you do? Sure. Oh, Colin, it's such a pleasure to be back on. Um, yes, my name is Kelly Hayes Rate. I have been a house sitter for full time for the last 12 years as an international house sitter. Um, I've been a free sitter, so I've been the uh, doing it in the model where I pay for my travel to go to an exotic place and take care of someone's home and pets while I have a chance to explore a new place and I don't get paid for it. I'm changing that model, and I know we're going to be talking about that in a little bit. Um, but and I've written a book called, uh, very cleverly called, How to Become a, a House Sitter, Insider Tips from the House Sit Diva, and that's available on Amazon and on my website at uh, www.housesitdiva.com. And I love to talk house sitting. So I'm glad to be here. <laughs> glad to have you. And I, I do think that since it's been a, a minute and since the last time we had you on, there's been a lot of things that have changed globally and in the world. So how, how have well, I wanted to check in and see how things have been since since COVID, since the pandemic, and how that's really been impacting or what you've been seeing with the international travel house sitting community? Yeah, um, all good questions. Um, so let me just tell you a little bit about my own personal experience during COVID because it was really quite interesting. Prior to this, I had a house in Santa Monica, California that I had rented out as a vacation rental. And then I lived elsewhere as a house sitter. And that's what made my financial model work. I sold my home in uh, 2018. So by the time 2020 came rolling around, I was literally homeless. I had uh, scheduled a, a variety of different house sits throughout Europe in, in the summer of 2020, because that was my goal was to move to Europe. Um, of course, those house sits all evaporated during the during the pandemic. Um, and I was stuck in London, and I was fortunate to be stuck in London. Because I have friends there, and I had I can speak the language, which was a big help. Um, so I'm in Portugal right now, and I don't speak the language. So it definitely helps to be stuck in a pandemic in a place where you can talk to other people. Um, <laughs> just, to say, just to say the least, the very yeah. least there, right? It's the little things, right? <laughs> it's the little things. <laughs> so I had had a house sit scheduled for the end of March 2020 in North London. And uh, the UK went on lockdown in middle of March. So that house sit evaporated. But this couple who were so unbelievably kind, they'd never met me except during our Zoom call when we set up the, the house sit. Um, they told me they had a third floor loft that they usually used as a vacation rental and they would not be doing that during the pandemic. So they offered it to me for free. And um, I went and lived with this couple for uh, almost three months. I had my own space, my own kitchen and bathroom, um, privacy to do what I needed to do. 
then I, because we were a bubble, I went and walked their dog with them every day. So I had the best of both worlds. I had company plus I had privacy. But here's the cool thing, Colin. These people were professional caterers. And so every three or four nights, they'd invite me downstairs for a gourmet dinner. <laughs> oh, wow. Was, I know. It was like, they're going to have to pry me out of this room to get rid of me. You know? I, I know. They were, I mean, just so unbelievably kind. And that, that's the house sitting community, right? Um, and ironically, at the time I was travel writing, which is, you know, but I actually was doing a lot of travel writing. And the um, online uh, platform that I wrote for asked me to write a piece about how the coronavirus could leave me homeless. And I, that was published. I, I posted it on Facebook and a woman that I had house sat for five years before in London contacted me and said she had just bought a house in Edinburgh. And she and her husband were stuck in Dubai and didn't know when they'd be able to leave. And she wanted to know if I would go up and um, stay in her new home and accept all of her furniture that she had had in storage and just set up the household. And I did that. Um, and I not only saved this woman her storage fees, but also in Scotland, if you have property that is sitting vacant for a long period of time, they double your your taxes, your real estate taxes. So I was saving her that as well. Um, and in exchange, you know, she took care of all the utilities. I, I, it was just amazing. She was so wonderful and so gracious. And I ended up staying in that place for a year and a half um, during lockdown. So again, the house sitting community kind of came through to help me at a time when I literally had nowhere to go. Just extraordinary. I know of, of a lot of other stories like that of, of other house sitters who were international house sitters. They did it full time and were stranded and, and were, you know, their community, their house sitting community kind of provided that safety net. It was really extraordinary. So, so you asked how it, how I, I think it changed. Um, certainly travel shut down. So that meant that there was not as much international house sitting. Um, I can only speak for the UK when, the UK was bouncing all over the place. They were on lockdown, not on lockdown, back on lockdown. I and mean, it was just crazy. And so during those periods when uh, things were opening up, people were doing a lot of domestic travel. And um, that provided different kinds of house sitting opportunities. So um, I, so I did do some house sitting around Edinburgh and other, other communities there, other, other houses sits right around there and in London. Um, so that's kind of where I bounced between. And so I, I, did have an opportunity to continue house sitting during that period, but I just did it within the country. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think that's kind of what most people were doing at that time who were house sitting is they were kind of staying a little bit more local. Um, and I found that homeowners preferred local people. In fact, there was one woman in Edinburgh who did ask me to, to house sit for her cat. Well, um, well, she went and took care of her aging parents in another part of, of the UK. And she said, ordinarily, we wouldn't have someone local. We'd rather share Edinburgh with somebody who wants to experience it. But we're concerned right now that somebody might not be able to get in mm. because the rules were changing all the time internet for international travelers. So um, I was actually at an advantage being in the UK to get other UK sits. Um, now, I think everybody's just like, but loose and fancy free and just out there in the world again. And, and, uh, there's just all kinds of house sitting opportunities. Um, so it's, I think it's a really exciting time to be a house sitter. 
Well, that was my one, one, one question I had is, is what really what the, the atmosphere felt like coming out of COVID, coming out of lockdown internationally, and really how people were feeling as far as the, the openness to accepting these international travels and, and the clients, the owners being willing to have people come in. Because I could definitely see a situation where people were more, more reclusive, more unsure, more re- hesitant about those kind of big, grand changes or these big plans because they know at a moment's notice things could, could change. But it really sounds like it's just come right back or even better to where it was before. I feel like it's like it's come back. I mean, there were baby steps. Um, you know, we still had to wear masks initially, right? We still had to wear masks on planes and going through airports. And um, some countries required COVID certificates, COVID vax certificates. Um, I, I found that people were, the homeowners were a little bit more skittish about having um, a stranger come and stay in their home. And so part of the conversation was around where I stood on, on being vaxxed and mm. where, and where I stood on, on, you know, COVID hygiene techniques. And I also would ask the homeowners that too, because, I, you know, people were all over the, the map on that one. And, and I think it was really important that we had a good match on that. That's no longer a part of the conversation, but it, but it was for a while. Um, and, and actually my initial sits, uh, once I did start traveling again internationally were for people I'd sat for before. So uh, there was a there was a comfort level there, which is really important when you have that kind of relationship that's already built into that, and you know who to reach out to. You know that you have that that no like trust factor that continues to persist, and especially with these big kind of well, that with I just think of just the the the, the grand nature of the international travel there, and how much more of that trust is necessary when you're linking up with those owners. Exactly. Yeah. I I I'm a I'm a big believer in keeping those relationships up so and having repeat house sets. So you've you've done a lot of, of change over the, the in that story and you mentioned kind of you're in you're in Portugal now and you were in uh England for a while and but you've done a lot of international travel and so part of why you know we wanted to have you on is that you made a big decision to to move to a brand new location and but you've done that and you've made that decision through the, the kind of house sits that you've been able to take on over the years what what was that process like and and I just I, personally I don't even know how I would begin to narrow in on a big question of where to live internationally <laughs> I know it is a big question. Well, I have had a chance to do a lot of traveling. I've traveled to 77 countries um, and I've housed that in 20 or 21, 22 countries, something like that. So I've been really fortunate in my life to be able to do that kind of traveling. And I have a sense of what what suits me and what doesn't suit me. I'm a city girl. I love Europe. I love European cities. So I wanted to be I knew I wanted to be in Europe. Um, so just, that just fits my lifestyle. I wanted to be in a place where I could get on a plane and in an hour, be in an entirely different culture, different, different country, different food, different language, all of that, um, and have all that at my doorstep. Um, so I knew Europe was where I wanted to be. As I mentioned, I had had a lot of European house sits lined up for the summer of 2020 because I wanted to go and experience a couple of cities that I hadn't been to that had looked good on paper. Um, when I couldn't do that, I did a lot of armchair traveling. So I took a lot of uh, virtual tours in different cities that I was interested in. Um, and I did a lot of, um, you know, there's so much available online now to figure out 
you know, what a lifestyle can be like. And so I settled on Lisbon. Uh, Lisbon also has, uh, a, Portugal has a very good uh, visa uh, program that makes it very welcoming at this moment right now for for new immigrants here in this country. So I took advantage of that. And um, so once lockdown ended, I kind of made my way down to Portugal and, and over to Lisbon so that I could start that visa process. And I did that by house sitting, Colin. So I house sat in different parts of Portugal um, that helped me decide that I did want to settle in Lisbon, which I kind of already knew because I am a city girl. So this is the city. Um, <laughs> But then, you know, I had to go back to the States, to the United States, to be able to apply for the initial visa I would need to set myself on the path for residency in Portugal. Mm. So I went back to the States. I had nowhere to live. Um, I housed that. <laughs> so I had to I had to apply for my visa in San Francisco. And I had uh, two different houses. Well, actually, it was three house sits, but two different houses. Um, in the Bay Area while I made that initial application. Um, I wanted to go visit friends because I knew it would be a while before I'd see them. So I house sat in Chicago and visited a cousin and, um, I house sat in, in the Tampa Bay area. So I was traveling around the states as an opportunity to, to visit people, um, and using house sitting to do that. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Susan, the pet gal, has this to say. Time to Pet has helped us grow exponentially. We believe the platform's features make us by far more professional than other companies who use conventional dashboards. They are the software gurus constantly developing and improving the platform based on user feedback. This decision was a good one. If you're looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com slash confessional. I did. I did have a question, Kelly, about the the visa issues because that sounds really, really complicated and is an aspect of the international house sitting that it, that I know a lot of people might not consider. Is it different than just going and traveling for uh, vacation? Like, is or are there different requirements that that you need to be aware of or at least consider when going into something like this? Well, for the international house sitting, I mean, I would never tell anybody in immigration that I was coming to house sit because in some countries they look at that as a barter situation and they consider it work. And so you need a work visa. I see. Um, so, so for the international house sitting, I always said I was visiting friends, which is also the truth because by the time I'm doing that, I have communicated with the homeowners and we've become friends. So, um, I, you know, I don't feel like I was lying or being misleading, but, but it, but that's really important to keep in order to keep myself in that visitor zone, visitor visa zone, right? Yeah. Um, but but here I was coming to relocate. So I've, I've put myself on the path for permanent residency and possible citizenship here in Portugal. So that's a, that's an entirely different visa stream than anybody who would be coming as a visitor or anyone who would be coming to work for a short period of time. Okay. Different Different visas, yeah. Gotcha. So what's the what's the timeline for something like that? And how did you because I know <laughs> just me personally, if I know I had a deadline, something like like the house sits would would kind of make me a bit nervous if I ran out of time or if I had to extend something or if there was a delay. So what was the timeline that you were looking to to get that kind of visa? Um <laughs> So there's a, there's a lot of moving parts in that one because uh, a lot of it has to rely on on the um, Portuguese uh, border control agency, um, and and 
Portugal is sort of notoriously bureaucratic, not in the best of ways. <laughs> I'm trying to be diplomatic about this. Fair enough. So, uh, so I had to apply for this initial visa in San Francisco, and that could take the getting the 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 uh, the visa back could take anywhere from a matter of weeks to a few months. Mm. And so I gave myself kind of the maximum amount of time because this is also I had to buy plane tickets too. So you know, that, that was a factor. Um, and then I just, I just filled in that time. So even though, uh, I did not get the visa earlier than I thought I got it just as I expected it to come. It came at the, at the very tail, uh, end of, of that window. Um, so I was glad that I had given myself all that time. So I didn't have to keep rebooking airline tickets and then scrambling to try to find where I was going to be. So um, I just played it safe on the time on the timeline. Yeah, and I, that that's kind of the name of the game with that is just going okay. We're going to plan for the. We're, it's just like when you budget for you know big projects. Okay, what's the timeline for this? And then I'm going to double it and probably add half again. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so you're 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 in San Francisco. You're waiting for your visa. You're 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 seeing friends and you're doing some other visits. When, when were you able to make the jump back over to to, to Libsyn uh, and uh, li- sorry Libsyn? <laughs> the, the podcast hosting platform that we use is Libsyn, and so I my brain does does does, oh. does not <laughs> make this Lisbon. work. So Lisbon, I'm going to say that one more time. <laughs> when were you able to make that jump over to Lisbon uh, finally? April 17th, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Not that anyone wrote it down. Right? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yep, that's it. And so when I first got here, I had an apartment rented because that's a requirement that you need in order to get that initial visa, mm. uh, which which is basically a, a glorified visitor's visa and allows you to stay here for four months. Um, and and then what the the... Um, Portuguese Border Control Agency does is they schedule an in-person meeting with you where they go through all your paperwork again and then issue you your residency. So, uh, so I, so I already had an apartment here, but it was unfurnished because I'd gotten rid of everything when I sold my house. Mm. So, uh, you know, I was literally living in this flat that had no lights. I had electricity, but there's no lights because that's typically not a thing in, in Portuguese apartments. I had, um, a blow up bed. A fork and a knife that I'd pilfered from a restaurant <laughs> and, uh, you know, a coffee carafe so that I could, you know, something that I always carried with me house sitting, one of those little plastic, you know, coffee filter things. Mm-hmm. But I didn't even have a coffee mug. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's all I had. And uh, and a corkscrew and a wine glass because, um, you know. <laughs> So priorities, right? <laughs> priorities. I got the corkscrew before I got the coffee cup. So uh, what I initially did then was I went back to house sitting. So I got a house sit here in Lisbon for a couple of weeks, and that gave me a decent bed, Netflix, a coffee cup, and enough time to start figuring out how to furnish my place. And uh, and it was that was great. That was just the respite I needed to be able to to f- start the furnishing thing. Um, and I've continued to house sit now in Lisbon, um, and I'm now getting paid. So I've made that transition from a free house sitter doing the international traveling to a paid house sitter, which has been an interesting transition. 
and, and I, I want to touch on that in just a minute, but I did have a question about you know, going back to your, your process for finding your place because, you know, international house sitting and as far as this exchange is, is new to a lot of people. And I've, I've personally seen a lot of people who feel as though it's a, um, like it's a scam or it's not real or how could that ever work or what is actually going on here when they find out about this process. So <laughs> walk us through how, how are you finding these, these sets? During this transition period, uh, I know you mentioned how you were connecting with people who you had sat, you'd done these these visits with previously. Um, but what are the options out there for for finding these kind of international house sets, and and what variety can people expect to get from them? Okay, it's, there are fifty platforms out there that uh, where a potential house sitter could join, put up a profile, and then start perusing the the different. Uh, house sits that are available. Um, Again, this is the model that's free. So the house sitter uh, pays his or her own way to the location, um, stays in the home for free, but has the responsibility of taking care of the pets in the home, sometimes a garden, maybe a few other things like bringing in the mail. Um, And, uh, and then there's, and there's no money that exchanges hands. Hmm. So the homeowner is welcoming the house sitter. The house sitter is taking care of everything while the homeowner is away on, on holiday. Um, so the way to find that is, as I said, there's 50 different platforms out there. I think for getting started, um, I would recommend that people look at the smaller sites because, um, there's just better hands-on service and there's a lot less competition for them. So, uh, two sites that I really like that are smaller. One of them is housesitmatch.com, housesitmatch.com, um, Full disclosure, I, I'm their blog editor. <laughs> um, you know, but I've, I've been a member of this, um, of this platform for a long, long time. And the owner is extremely hands on about matching people up. And if there's any problems, she's right there. Um, there's also a, she has a lot more house sits available than she has house sitters. So there's a lot less competition for them. Um, another one I like is housesitmexico.com. And there are several. Uh, house sitting platforms out there that are very country or regional specific. And those tend to have a lot less competition. So if you knew that you wanted to experience Mexico through house sitting, that's a great platform to join because then things are narrowed down. And, and as I said, there's not as much competition. Um, the big one out there is trustedhousesitters.com. Um, they've been around since 2011 and, um, you know, they have thousands of house sits that come in from all over the world. Um, they've become just unwieldy big, though. It's it, they're really hard to navigate now. Um, and for homeowners, what they've done is they've limited the number of house sitting applicants to five people at a time. Mm. So unless you're like right on it, it's really hard to be able to apply to a sit. Um, but that said, I, you know, I've been a member of them since 2011 and I've gotten a lot of my international house sits through them. Um, I'm just backing off from them right now because I just find them not quite as user-friendly as they used to be. <laughs> sure. Well, I think what's important there is to go back to what you said, a really great sentence there of, if you want to experience blank, if you want to experience Mexico through house sitting, 
try these other things. And and that's what I really get out of, of a lot of what your, 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 your story, Kelly, is that you're, this is about searching for experiences. You were doing that when you were traveling and doing the house sitting with Liz uh, to, to try and find if you want to live in Portugal and you were want to experience that. So this is a very experiential service that, that uh, we can both provide and give uh, if we are looking for that kind of thing. And that, that that's where I see a lot of this being able to help us figure out or, learn new things or just experience different ways of lifestyle, different countries, different whatever we want to do through house sitting is, is that that's the, the mode that we're going to and after these experiences. So we kind of have to figure out what, what experiences would I like? And then c- can I match that up with being able to do that through house sitting? Well said. I mean, really beautifully said. So in my book, I have a, um, right at the beginning, I have a chapter with a quiz, is house sitting right for me? Because house sitting isn't right for everybody. Some people don't like living on top of other people's stuff, or they don't like the responsibility of, of having to take care of an animal full time, right? Like if the animal's sick, you got to drop everything and take care of the animal. Um, so it is a huge responsibility. Um, on the other hand, for me, um, I love the experience of living like a local. I love the experience of having furry friends when I'm traveling. Um, I like the experience of of landing in a new place and having um, a network there already set for me. And that, you know, the homeowners are there. I usually ask them to introduce me to a friend of theirs that I who I could go out and have a cup of coffee with or a glass of wine or take a walk or something so I can see something that's off the beaten path. Sometimes those people have like introduced me to some fantastic experiences that I never could have had on my own. For example, um, in 2019, I house sat in, and I'm going to butcher this name. Sorry, all you French speakers who are listening. Réunion, uh, a French island that's just east of Madagascar in the Indian Ocean. And I had never heard of Réunion before I saw it come up as a house sit um, on one of the platforms that I was a member of. And uh, I was there for six weeks, beautiful island, extraordinary. And the homeowner introduced me to a friend of hers, Anne. And Anne and I went scuba diving together, which was a lot of fun. But then this was during whale migrating season. So she arranged for me, for the two of us, to go out and snorkel with whales in a in a zodiac. So I was snorkeling with a mama and a baby humpback. It, I mean, it was just, I was like, it was amazing, right? <laughs> I never would have been able to do that if I hadn't had Anne as this person who was local and had all these connections mm-hmm. set it up for me. You know, I mean, there's just no way I could have gotten there and, and found this because this was not a commercial operation. So it was just, you know, incredible. So I've had experiences that have been very unique that have happened as a result of, of, house sitting and and taking advantage of the fact that I've got a local there who can recommend some very interesting and unique things to me. So um so experience is the thing and and for me the living like a local, the having the on the ground safety net, um living in usually a safer area than typical tourist trap areas because I'm in I'm in a neighborhood or I'm in an apartment building or you know it's it's like not a place where there's a lot of scammers hanging out like they would in the normal tourist areas. Mm-hmm. Um, as a single woman, I really like that aspect of house sitting. Um, so yeah, I big advocate. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's and so you 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 made the decision to to move to Portugal, um, but 
you, as you mentioned, you you are also going to continue to to house it. Are you still doing the the international traveling house sitting, or are you focusing more back on the local area? Well, it, the, my life has just changed with the practicalities. So um, there's just a lot of moving parts to relocating to a new country, and one of them is that uh, Portugal's just great job of offering new immigrants free language lessons. And I was able to get into a language class immediately, which was just wonderful because usually you're on a waiting list for a while. Um, but what that means is that I have Monday and Thursday night classes and I really don't want to miss them because this is a great gift that's being given me. So I am, I am constricting my traveling right now to just weekend local trips away. Um, but I also just have a lot of bureaucratic stuff to do here. And so it's just easier for me to be right here in country to handle all of these different different things that are involved with relocating and becoming a, a resident of a new country. So um, while I will still be house-sitting internationally, I will be doing that this summer, actually. Um, but right now, I'm, I'm just constricting myself to local local sure. house sits. Yeah. There, there, there's, there's a lot of things in life, right. That you've got to focus on for now and, and just make sure that you, you get those done. And that's part of our decision processes that we have to go through of going, okay, well I need to put this on hold so I can focus on this. And then I'm going to put that on hold and focus on that. And we're just going to work our way through that. But part of your decision in this is, as you mentioned earlier, you've made a switch from doing free visits and free, free pet sitting house sitting to now charging for that. And so what was the 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 shift that that you decided okay this this is a change i need to make at this point well it you know like a lot of my quote unquote decisions about house sitting it sort of fell into my lap and it wasn't a decision <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. to be perfect, yeah to be perfectly honest right so um i'm on a facebook group um uh, lisbon dog and cat owners or something like that and uh, somebody had posted looking for a house sitter and somebody commented and said, oh, you know, you can go on these different platforms and somebody will come and stay for free. And you alluded to this earlier, Colin, this this original poster wrote, why would I trust somebody who would pay their way to come and stay in my home for free? Hmm. And so I wrote and I said, well, I, I've done that. But if you want to pay me, let's meet. <laughs> so that's kind of how it started. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it was pretty much just like that. So I, you know, so I met the couple, met the dog, fell in love with the dog. Um, the couple lives, you know, a half hour walk from me. I mean, it's very easy for me to get to. Um, and, and they feel more comfortable and confident with the relationship because for them, that makes it feel more professional. Mm. Um, and they don't have to go through the constant screening process. They're, they're, they're a younger couple and they travel once a month for four or five days to Rome or Paris or, you know, take advantage of just being in Europe. Um, so, so it's great. So once a month I go over and I spend four or five nights with a dog and have a great time and they have a very comfortable house and it's, it's, and then I get a little pocket money. So, um, it's a real win-win. So they don't need to keep going through as homeowners, they don't need to keep going through the the process of trying to find new people each time because I'm, I'm here. And, and and frankly, I've got, I don't know, probably seven or eight clients now and um, that I'm juggling. And mm. it's all it's been all word of mouth and or through this Facebook group. You mentioned a little bit there about the the different, I don't know, client expectations or interactions with them. Could you 
walk us through a little bit more about that? Because you've experienced both the, 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 the free exchange service and now you're going into the, the paid services. What are the different mentalities like or how do you navigate working with those different clients? I used to feel that one of the benefits of doing free house sitting was that I wasn't treated like the household help. I was like an honored guest. And mm. most of the time I was. Sometimes I got the attitude of, well, I'm letting you live in my house, um, which always bothered me because to me that felt very dismissive and it didn't take into effect the the huge responsibility I was taking on, taking care of somebody else's everything, right? Their home, their pets, their their entire lives. Um, but, you know, most of the time there was a lot of graciousness about it and gratitude. Um but I, you know, but being paid, I find that there's a huge level of respect that I'm getting. People, people are treating me as a professional. Um, cause even when I wasn't getting paid, I saw myself as a professional, but now everybody else is seeing me as a professional because there is that financial transaction. So it's, it is a different dynamic. Mm. It, I can definitely, I can definitely see that in, in the, what that relationship is of of you know they they pay for a mechanic or they pay for um, help or they pay for all these other services and it does set up I think just those immediate expectations for what's on the table and and who I'm working with on the other end and and I know that there can still be some I know we've certainly experienced it with some of our own clients of the feeling of well you are the hired help so X Y Z but by by you know. Most of the time, there is that level of respect that comes with that exchange because they see, oh, there's value here. I'm giving value. I'm receiving value back in this very immediate transaction. Yeah, it it really is very interesting. I uh, there's also there isn't the competition factor either with the mm-hmm. free house sitting. You know, there's homeowners usually, especially if they're in a desirable place, they get deluged with with um, applicants. And so, you know, they get to, which is fine, and they get to pick and choose who they want. But but I think that also shifts the mentality a little bit, too, because then it's like, oh, you know, everybody wants to come here. So who do I let come here? Right. right. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot riding on on their decision at that point. And and then this way, you know, if you're in the country, you're in the area, you meeting them, you're interacting with them. You you can really build that relationship a lot faster, I, I presume, or at least it may come a little bit more natural in that aspect. Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, and I do get a chance to meet everybody um, beforehand. And so and I appreciate that. I mean, I always do the video chat. Because I'm used to that, and yeah. and I certainly would do that when I was doing international sits before I would take take a before I'd accept an assignment. Um, but here, you know, it is easier. I get to go over and pick up a key and meet the dog and meet the people, even after we agree. Now, I still do an agreement. Um, I'm a big believer in having things written down, and um, you know, so I've taken my house sitting agreement form, which is seven pages long based <laughs> on, you know, everything I've experienced over the years. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then send that out to people and ask them to complete that before, uh, before the sit. Um, and it, you know, it just has everything, not just about the pet care. Um, and like, you know, for a dog, what the dog's triggers are when you walk in the dog and, you know, where cats could hide. Right. So, you know, if you ever put out a cat sit, like, where'd the cat go? And it's in the back of some closet somewhere that, you know, it likes to hang out. Um, so not only questions about the pets, but also about 
the neighborhood. Um, are there any touchy issues with neighbors? Where you know, when does the garbage go out? How do you do the recycling? I mean, here in Lisbon, it's like every neighborhood has its different recycling rules. Mm. Um, you know, that's not uniform. So, um, whether or not they have weapons in the home or or security cameras, um, you know, just a whole range of questions that that are not deal breakers, but it's just information sharing that people w- wouldn't necessarily think of when they're having a stranger come into their home. No, they, they certainly don't because it's just their quote unquote normal life, right? They don't, they don't yeah. think about, Oh, the, this is the door that you have to open with your tongue out to the left <laughs> and your left and your right <laughs> eyebrow up to get it to open just right. Like they don't think about that because that's just how they live. And so <laughs> you do have to ask them these, these very specific questions. <laughs> Have you been to Lisbon and played around with the locks here? Because I, I have had more than one homeowner tell me I need to be a key whisperer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, see, and this is what like, wait, exactly where they go. Oh, you're like, is there anything else you need to know about the house? And like, oh yeah. Also, there's the, you know, there's a giant monster that lives under my bed, but he doesn't. <laughs> that's nice. Okay, I'm going to write that down. So. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. So you know, so I ask, I ask all those questions, um, and I ask questions about how often people want to be communicated with and how how they would prefer to be communicated with. Some people want daily updates. Others are like, just contact me if you have a question. Um, I ask people, obviously, all the information about the vet, emergency contact, and um, yeah. and I ask about where is the closest hospital to you, right? People hospital, in case I need help. <laughs> um, you know, what the, what the uh, international uh, SOS number is. Right. Because that's different from, you know, in every country. So all of that stuff is on my form and I still send that out to people and, and ask them to fill it out. And, it, it, and Colin, I do that for a couple of reasons. I mean, not only is it about me so that I have information if something goes wrong and I have it in my hands and can deal with it, but it, uh, and I put, and I have it all in one place. Um, but it also makes people realize what the responsibility is that I'm taking on. It just underscores that. And, the more I can underscore that with people without sounding obnoxious about it is something I like to do because I want them to know that whether they're paying me or not paying me, I am providing a huge service. I'm not just hanging out at your house, you know? Um, and so, uh, and I'm happy to do it. That's why I do it. I really love, I love travel so much and I want everybody to be able to experience it, even if they've taken in three rescue cats, you know, that shouldn't stop them from being able to experience traveling. So I love being able to give pet owners that peace of mind when they experience travel. Um, and so, but I also want them to understand what I'm taking on as well, you know, so... A lot of pet owners don't know how to react when their beloved pet is facing a bout of anxiety, noise sensitivity, or depression. However, various studies have shown that animals react very positively when calming music is played for them. As a trusted pet sitter, have your clients check out Peaceful Pet Music, Calm Music for Pets on YouTube, where they can give their pet the best chance of relaxing while they're away. From peaceful melodies to soothing nature sounds, this YouTube channel is the go-to spot when your client's pet is anxious and you don't know where to turn. Complete with beautiful and vibrant animations, their videos will become your home for the tools needed to keep a client's pet in a state of peacefulness. Be sure to subscribe to Peaceful Pet Music, Call Music for Pets on YouTube, and hit that bell so you never miss a moment of music.
Well, and I, I do need I, one aspect of this of the switch that you are able to do now, living in in Portugal and and being and becoming going through the resident process is I I'm, I guess you're. Because previously you had made a statement about how when you were doing the exchange services, the the type of visa you would need to do barter or for money uh, isn't you know is a special work visa that you have to apply for. Now that you are going through this other process to become a resident, that I'm assuming that that allows you to do the exchange for a, a fin- financial exchange at this point there locally. Yes, and okay. uh, you know I. I um, as an American, no matter where I live or where I earn my money, I still have to pay U.S. taxes. The U.S. is the only country in the world that has that requirement. Okay. Um, in Portugal, I also have to file taxes here. And so um, I'm just in the process of finding all this out. Um, but I, I will be like, the you know, the money that I earn, and it's not a lot every month, but, you know, it's something. The money sure. that I earn as a house sitter will be reported to the government here and will also be on my U.S. taxes. So, um, it, you know, that's a consideration as well. Yeah. De- de- death and taxes uh, in multiple countries, it turns out. So, no, <laughs> so uh, you, you've been, you've been growing this business, you're, you know, this, this part of the, the, the pet sitting and the house sitting now, and you're collecting clients. Do you see yourself continuing to, to grow this or, or make it something there locally? Or is it kind of, what's your, what's your plans with this now that you're, you've started this? Well, I'm really loving uh, house sitting locally because it's giving me a chance to see different neighborhoods in Lisbon, right? Like I, I mean, I, I got here a year ago, December, found this apartment and rented it and wasn't able to live in it for another five months until I had the visa that allowed me to do that. So it all happened very quickly. I, I love where I live. I love the neighborhood where I live. I, I landed well. Um, but I'm also seeing other neighborhoods that are pretty cool and it's great to live like a local in these other neighborhoods. Um, and it, that's been a real benefit for me just doing this locally. I, what I hope to do is just expand out and, and, uh, see more places in Portugal as a sitter. Um, and then, you know, go back to international sitting and traveling, uh, throughout Europe. Um, once I get the, the Portuguese lessons under my belt. Right. Please, please don't ask me to say anything in Portuguese. Please don't. Oh, we were going to finish out the rest of the episode in, in Portuguese. Oh. I've been practicing all morning. No, I haven't at all. I don't know the first thing. Um, but that, that, that is a very important aspect in this entire process. If, if you are looking at wanting these experiences and if you are interested in living like a local, Part of that, I assume, does mean having some rudimentary grasp of the local language, whether that's reading or speaking, so that you can make your way in that area and in that community. Oh, that's a very good point. I I have to say that probably every single person I've house sat for in the last 14 years um, has been an expat. Okay. Um, So... American speaking. So, um, oftentimes it's international teach. It's American teachers who are living and teaching abroad. Um, and they go away for a summer and want somebody to take care of their dog. Um, you know, or in the UK, I, I would obviously house sit for Brits, but elsewhere around the world, I, I'm just thinking through my mind here. It's yeah, it's all been expats who speak English. Mm. Um, and so, I haven't, you know, I haven't really had any difficulty getting around. I, you know, it's amazing to me how many people speak English around the world, especially in cities. Um, it's just extraordinary. I'm in this, I'm in this uh, Portuguese language class right now. We've got 29 students in there. Four of us are from the United States. 
Um, one guy's from Australia and one guy's from Scotland. All the rest are from non-native English speaking countries and they all speak English proficiently. It just blows me away. I mean, they're from Russia and Iran and Bosnia and Germany and Turkey and Nepal. I mean, and they all speak English beautifully. It's, it's, it's humbling actually as an American that I only speak one language. <laughs> it, oh yeah. I had a, a, a French teacher in high school and she, she spoke something like seven different languages and I wow. just was sitting there like, well, I'm going to struggle to grasp this extra one here for the day. So I feel really, <laughs> really bad about that. <laughs> but uh, that's an important part to note of like, if that's something that if you feel like is a barrier, right? First, you can select the sits that you're interested in very well, right? You can, you can, you can look at areas where you think, okay, maybe that's a, a lower bar, bar of entry for me. And then understanding that there is um, a lot of wide acceptance about that. And you'll probably be pretty surprised about at the prevalence of, of English in an area, if that's what you are looking for. Yes. I mean, I've housed that in, oh my gosh. I mean, China, Japan, Malaysia, uh, Vietnam, um, three countries in Africa, um, throughout Europe. And so, you know, by and large, I've, I've always had English speakers around me. The only time I didn't was this one time in China uh, where I was in a, a small community, small by Chinese standards, uh, Yan, chi uh, China. And uh, I was there when the English speaking school was on break and I was house sitting for in some English teachers. So everybody was gone. I was the only non-Asian face I saw for about 10 days. It was very isolating. Um, I, you know, I enjoyed being there and I enjoyed traveling around and, and, and seeing the area. It was quite an experience. You know, you can do anything for two weeks, right? That's kind of my feeling. Two weeks is about my sweet spot. Yeah. So, you know, if I haven't been to a place, I would go for not more than two weeks. So, um, cause I can put up with anything. Um, and it, and putting up with it, it was like this was a lovely place and a very interesting place, but it was, it was isolating not having any English speakers around. Sure. For me, you know, cause I don't speak Chinese. Yeah. We really can make these what we, what we want with it. And so, Kelly, I guess, um, as you've gone through this process of, of using, uh, house sitting to, to find an international place to live and now integrating yourself into that local community, what are some of your big takeaways or, or, or lessons or, or things that if people are listening to this going, Oh man, that sounds, sounds really interesting. Um, maybe places they could start as well. Sure. And I'm going to go back to something you said earlier that I think is really, really important, Colin. And that's to recognize that, that house sitting as a form of travel is experiential on every, every level, right? So, um, it's, so I think it's important for anybody thinking about doing it to think about the kind of experience they want. Um, and that, that can change based on, um, they could change based on a thousand things, right? Like there are times when I want to focus on a book or something. And so I, I like a place where I would be a little bit more isolated and not have a lot of distractions, um, that, you know, museums and, and theater and so forth that I want to go see because I want to really focus on the book. Um, most of the time, as I said, I'm a city girl and I like to be able to be in a city where I can go out and experience culture. Um, theater and dance and, and, um, music and so forth. So, um, so for me, rural sits are not that interesting. They're not that attractive to me, but I have friends who grew up on farms and they love to go out and take care of the sheep and take care of the horses and 
put the chickens in the coop every night. Um, you know, I mean, that's like their idea of bliss. So I think it's really important to think about all of the different factors. So do you want a relaxing vacation? Um, do you want um, a more active kind of holiday? Do you want rural, city, lots of culture, more of a retreat? Um, look at the workload that's involved. How many times does the dog need to be walked every day? Um, how much flexibility will you have with the animals? Some animals need a lot of um a lot of attention, a lot of constant attention. So, you know, how much is that going to impact on on what you want to do? I mean, I've had sits where it was kind of a drag to walk the dog four times a day because it meant I couldn't be out doing other stuff. Mm. And I've had other times when it was brilliant that I had to walk this dog four times a day because it got me up away from my writing so that I could get <laughs> out, you know, right? So it's, I think it's, it's all about perspective and that can shift and change based on, based on, a whole variety of things. So I think that, I think that's like the number one thing that I would recommend to anybody starting out in this is to, is to really consider what your needs are so that you can apply to house sits that are most appropriate to meeting those needs. I guess my last question for you, Kelly, is uh, how many uh, plates do you have now in your apartment? Is it <laughs> <laughs> six? I've got six plates, six bowls. I have silverware, <laughs> and I have coffee cups. <laughs> look, at, look, look at that! I, I could just <laughs> come visit. <laughs> look, look at Kelly. I'm I'm so glad to to hear that. Um, this process has been, uh, it sounds, you know, it's been a learning experience and you, you're finding a place that uh, sounds like it's been a, a dream and is really coming together for you. And thank you for, for sharing that experience with us and giving us the tips of the visas and looking at the different mo- uh, uh, platforms to go look and, and how to go about that process of finding sits that would work for us and really just about the possibility of this, if that's something that we're thinking about or wanting to try, uh, I, I do know that this is, there's a lot that goes into this and there's a lot more here. So um, how can people get in touch with you and follow along with everything that you're doing? Um, yeah, my website is uh, housesitdiva.com. Uh, and that's a great place. My email address is on there. It's a great place to contact me through that. Um, it's also, we can get an e-copy of my book or you can go to Amazon for that. And my contact information is in the back of the book as well. Um, I'd love to answer questions about house sitting. So feel free to get in touch. It's just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just a, such a great way to see the world and to meet people. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will have links to those in the show notes, uh, Kelly, so people can click right to those. Um, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and sharing this with us. Uh, and it's been wonderful to get back in touch with you and get caught up with everything that you, that's been going on in your life. Thank you, Colin. You too. And, uh, you know, happy traveling. Happy trails. While many of us aren't traveling the globe to find where we're going to set down our roots, my biggest takeaway from Kelly is the importance of exposing ourselves to new thoughts, new ideas, new cultures, new things in our lives to help us make better and more informed decisions. Sure, it helps whenever you're searching for a home or a neighborhood to live. But it also helps in our business when we look to new ways of operating or understanding ways we don't want to operate. That takes seeking out experiences, newness, bringing, intentionally bringing newness into our lives, into our business by going to conferences, reading books, listening to 
your favorite podcast or, <laughs> or talking with a best friend over coffee. You see, the only way that we are to ensure that we have a full understanding or a fuller understanding of what we're getting into is by trying new things. And while it is scary, it's also critical to the success of your business and running a life that you would love to live. We want to thank today's sponsors, Timed Pet and the Peaceful Pet Music, Calm Music for Pets YouTube channel for making it possible. We also really want to thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll be back again soon. I'm <laughs> sorry.